Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Santa H., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from New Jersey. Today is February 27, 2017. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 9, the sixth paragraph that begins with, but he did no ranting. Today's readers are the 12 Steps, Janice M., the Traditions, Mary Agnes Y., and reading the literature today are Lisa B. and Leanne W. The share ID for February 26, 2017, our special edition meeting is 1660. 1660. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through the abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Janice M. to read the 12 steps, please. Well, good morning. Good morning, everyone. My name is Janice M., and these are the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct men amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God 
as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Thank you, Janice. Um, I will now ask Mary Agnes Y to read the 12 traditions, please. Good morning. This is Mary Agnes Y. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive eater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, OBS Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, OBS Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Yes. Thank you, Mary Agnes Y. Our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose remind us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for I'm sorry, yes, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book means to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. 
Okay, today we resume our study of the big book, and we are going to be on, we are on page nine, beginning with the sixth paragraph that begins with, but he did no ranting. We'll be reading five paragraphs ending at, but that was as far as it has gone. On page nine, the sixth and seventh paragraph will be read for context only and comments on page 10, the first, second, and third paragraph. I will now ask Lisa B. to begin reading. Good morning. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Thank you, Santa. This is Lisa B., a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. But he did no ranting. In a matter-of-fact way, he told how two men had appeared in court, persuading the judge to suspend his commitment. They had told of a simple religious idea and a practical program of action. That was two months ago, and the result was self-evident. It worked. He had come to pass his, his experience along to me if I cared to have it. I was shocked, but interested. Certainly, I was interested. I had to be, for I was hopeless. He talked for hours. Childhood memories rose before me. I could almost hear the sound of the preacher's voice as I sat on still Sundays way over there on the hillside. There was that proffered temperance pledge I never signed, my grandfather's good-natured contempt of some church folk and their doings, his insistence that the spheres really had their music, but his denial of the preacher's right to tell him how he must listen. His fearlessness as he spoke of these teachings just before he died. These recollections welled up from the past they made me swallow hard. The wartime day, that wartime day in old Winchester Cathedral came back again. I had always believed in a power greater than myself. I had often pondered these things. I was not an atheist. Few people really are. For that means blind faith in the strange proposition that the universe originated in a cipher and aimlessly rushes nowhere. My intellectual heroes, the chemists, the astronomers, even the evolutionists suggested vast laws and forces at work. Despite contrary indications, I had little doubt that a mighty purpose and rhythm underlay all. How could there be so much of precise and immutable law and no intelligence? I simply had to believe in a spirit of the universe who knew neither time nor limitation, but that was as far as I had gone. Well, on the page before, Bill was aghast at the mention of religion, but he's interested, for he is hopeless. So Bill is reflecting on his childhood memory, specifically his grandfather, who expressed a spirituality that the spheres really do have their music and that the preacher really didn't have a right to tell him how he must listen. And I identify so much with that, and it's wonderful that Bill had that experience um, to, to you know, show him that there's another way of looking. At, we can look at it from a spiritual point of view. He says he always believed in a power, and I identify with all this, but I believed in my own power. I believed in a greater power, but I believed more in my power. And I, I believed that there was a, a divine principle in the universe that could do so much, but I wasn't sure if this divine principle that, that I call God would do something for me. 
Um, Bill sees proof before him in Ebby of a power that's greater, and he's interested because he's hopeless. Um, and that's that's what I needed. I didn't need to believe in God, but I needed to see how powerless I am and how, how powerless I was. Um, I was in the driver's seat. You know, like I said, I believed in my own power just as much as I believed in God. I never put God's power into my life. I felt I was in charge. And I also made a higher power out of people. And then I've given very human limited qualities to a higher power, making a higher power have conditional love and uh, condemning. And what I'm also reading in here is that Bill had to be open. He pondered. And when I look up that word pondered, it means think about carefully before making a decision or reaching a conclusion. And that's so important for me. Like I said, I had to see that I was truly powerless and helpless, you know, before I could make that conclusion. Um, The steps reunited. They connected me to the spirit of the universe, to this creative intelligence, this divine principle. And um, that's what the steps have done for me because I was blocked. Um, I needed to get unblocked to to really truly connect with my higher power but the start here was what i'm seeing in this reading is bill is pondering and it's because what it says you know on the top of page 10 which i know we're not really discussing but that he sees that he was hopeless and that was the start and with that i pass thank you and thank you lisa b and just a reminder um we're going to be on page 10 and Thomas are on the first, second, and third paragraph. And who will I tell you three minutes? Nadine. This is Bella. Can I share? I think I heard Laura in. Nefer R. This is Larry. I think I heard Bella. I heard Larry K. Nancy R. Nancy R. Okay, we're going to stop right there. Chris, Chrissy G. Um, I have Lauren N, Nessa R, Bella G, and Larry K, and Nancy R. Good morning, Lauren. Okay, I think I had the wrong name there. Okay, we're going to move on to Nessa R. Sorry, I was talking, and I thought you could hear me. Um, Lauren N. here. Oh, it is. Okay. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you, Santa, and thank you all. Um, Monday, Team Monday, you're um, fabulous, and I'm so glad to have you all in my life today. Um, Wow. The, you know, um, This is so powerful. I I have spent my life believing that there was something out there and not sure what it was and not sure if higher power um, was something that um, I believed in or not. I was mad at higher power. I was very angry at God um, for taking my mother so early and leaving me alone. Um, but today I am so blessed to have this higher power in my life and I'm so blessed to have all of you and this this program of 
recovery. I just celebrated my my birthday yesterday, and wow, how nice it is to be absent and free and have a birthday and not feel uh, deprived of any goodies because you know what? I had people in my life, and for that I am so thankful. I have people, and I have loved ones, and I have God, and I have you. And for that, I thank you. So I will pass. And thank you, Laura Ann. And good morning, Nessa R. Hi. Good morning. Vision for you. This is Nessa R. Recovered in Toronto, Canada. So, um, you know, Bill believes in God, but he is um, reluctant to... Um, ask for God's help uh, in this problem because of his his prejudice, because, uh, you know, it was instilled in him from the time he was a little boy, but his grandfather. And I guess because of that experience, and I guess his subsequent recovery, um, it, is, it is interesting the, the about faith that he makes in page, for, in page 49 in the chapter of We Agnostics. He says, you know, beg you to lay aside prejudice. He's begging us to lay aside prejudice as a result of his own pre-existing prejudice and his need to let go of it in order to recover. And I, like Bill, was prejudiced in a, in a little bit of a different way. I, too, believed in God, but I believed that God wouldn't help me with my um, foot problem. And the reason for that is because I had been asking him for years to help me, and he never helped me. You know, hadn't I been praying, you know, God, please help me eat everything I want and still be thin? Hadn't I been saying, you know, God, I, 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 I stuck by my diet for a whole week. Please help me lose 10 pounds, you know. And now I realize in recovery why that didn't work, why that could not work. And it was because my, my quote-unquote relationship with God was... Um, very, very, very childish, you know. I was treating God as my, my employee, my, my errand boy. I was telling God what to do, uh, expecting him to do all the work. Well, I didn't change anything. I didn't change anything. And, you know, that is the prerequisite for God to work in our lives. You know, we, I, I had to do my own footwork. I had to do my own work. And then God would do his, not the other way around, and certainly not God doing all the work. Um, which was the case for me. Once I abandoned that belief, and I said, "Okay, I got, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do what I need to do, God, and then you're gonna need do what you need to do." Um, things absolutely work much better. Um, and with that, I pass. Thank you. And thank you, Nessa R. Good morning, Bella G. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Santa, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. But that was as far as I had gone. Yes, this is me. This was me. You know, before I came to the program, I had God in my life, but God was very far away for me, and I was really in competition with him. I did the rules, and I thought that I have the power. I had the conversation with God, and I told him, 
well, if you will do what I want to do, what I want you to do, then it will be okay. But in, it never happened because I set the rules and I said the things that I want to be changed. And I didn't think that I have a part in this. I didn't think that I have to do something. You know, and I was in competition with God. I always said, well, you really don't help me. You, di you really don't listen to me. I want to lose weight, and you really don't do nothing about it. So you know what? I will show you that I can do better than you. And this was in a good times, because sometimes and most of the times, I had my higher power, like people and places, and my higher power always changed, but nothing really happened to me. Nothing changed by me because always I thought that you have to change. You have to change your attitude, your behavior, your thinking. You know, and yes, <clears throat> God was there, but this is as far as I went to. I didn't know what does it mean. And I, I still had my ego, the higher power for me. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I am not then, there anymore. Today, God is for me a loving father, an accepting father. And yes, today I accept and admit that I am powerless. I am powerless. And to get results, I have to change, to change my beliefs, to change my attitude, and to change my behavior. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Hey, thank you, Bella G. And good morning, Larry Kay. Good morning, Santa. Good morning, Larry Kay, um, Recovered Compulsive Reader from Chicago. Thanks for your service. Um, you know, it talks here about um, Bill and, and his, um, his heroes. You know, my heroes were similar. They were intellectual heroes. I, I, I worshipped at the altar of achievement. I worshipped at the altar of, of data and research. I worshipped um, at the altar of ego. I, I did believe in some sort of higher power, but it was, a, you know, for me it was a very distant, disconnected higher power. When I was in the, you know, when I was in the foxhole, uh, somehow, I certainly, um, <clears throat> I certainly leaned into that higher power when, when things got, when the water got really murky. But generally, I was disconnected from a higher power, and I didn't see it, see this higher power. It, certainly, there was no personal relationship. That's for, you know, I didn't want to be a sucker. You know what I mean? I didn't want to be a sucker. I didn't want to believe in, in, in fantasy. I know something different today. I think Bill and I think, you know, they're talking about um, an individual that, you know, we always believe in something beyond ourselves if we, really, if we really look at it. I think the thing is, though, when we look at Abby and the way the message was delivered to Bill, perhaps the way the message delivered to you, if you look at it and your life has changed, as mine has changed so dramatically over time, it could only be divine in nature. I know that. I couldn't prove that to you in any tangible sense. Just because my physical size is more reasonable, that, that doesn't prove much. But I can tell you that I know 
in my heart. This is the language of the heart. Ebby spoke to Bill, impressed upon Bill through the language of the heart. And that's a very powerful divine type of language. You know, for me today, um, this design for living works and it's uh, faith without works is, is dead. I know that if I don't work, Bill could, you know, Abby could have shown up at Bill's door and he could have seen Abby and, and he could have just gone about in ego and in, in self selfishness and just go about his business. But that wasn't what he did. He, he took action at some point. We have to be willing to take action. You can come here every day and just listen, maybe get entertained, maybe get moved and do nothing. And you know what you'll get? You'll get a big nothing. You really won't. You won't get anything, anything in terms of a personal change. It has to, it has to happen. It's we, but then it has to be action, willingness to take action. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. And thank you, Larry Kay and Nancy R. Good morning. Hi. Uh, good morning, Santa. Can you hear me? I sure can. Oh, well, good. Thank you for your service. Good morning, all. Uh, my name is Nancy Ara, and I'm, a, I'm indeed a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. And uh, my, my experiences were quite different from Bill's, but the result was the same, a lack of an intimate relationship with the higher power that could save me from this disease. I was uh, raised in a very religious uh, home. My father was a pastor, and to me, he was a larger-than-life figure. And I, uh, I became a church musician. I still am. I played for multiple denominations. And when I heard about uh, needing a, needing a relationship with God, I said, "Oh well, I got that." <laughs> and I really thought I had. I said, "I got that. Okay, God, uh, this should be easy for me." But on the contrary, it has been one of the most difficult things that um, I've had to, uh, to experience. And it's taken me years in this program to really understand only when I got so beat down and so tired of uh, constantly relapsing into the food and wondering what was, uh, what was the matter. And, and basically, I was just giving lip service just giving lift service to uh, God, you know, turning my life and will over to the care of God. But basically, I, I was still in the driver's seat. But only after I got so beat down by the food, and I was blessed with a wonderful sponsor three years ago, uh, listening to this program, did I enter into an intimate relationship with God. After all these years, it took me that long but I'm grateful because I might have gone through life, you know, with the religion and not ever having the intimate relationship that uh, I entered into that was necessary to have the uh, obsession expelled. And today, um, when I go to church and when I play the music, when I hear the scriptures, it is so much more meaningful than it ever was because I'm not into religion. I'm into God, a relationship with God because of what God has done for me. The impossible was, has been done. I never thought I could uh, be around certain foods and not eat. And, to, and, and my high power does that for me on a daily basis. I never thought 
I would not be fighting with the food. I have ceased fighting anything or anybody. And it goes beyond the food, just the way I live my life. Having this intimate relationship with God that I've entered into as a result of trying to solve this lifelong problem. I'm grateful. I'm just so grateful uh, for Overeaters Anonymous and for each of you. Thank you for letting me share. And thank you, Nancy R. For those of you who are just joining us, we're in the Bill story on page 10, and our comments are focused on the first, second, and third paragraph. Who else would like to comment for approximately three minutes? Janice M. Lynn S. Monica T. Paula D. Nessa P. Okay, this is who I have. I have Holland D, Janice M, Lynn S, Monica T, Dolly D, I believe, and Nesta T. Good morning, Harlan G. Is that me? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Harlan G., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. Santa, thank you for your service, and thank you to Team Monday for your service as well. We are looking at Bill, and he is just looking at Ebby, and he is astounded at a drunk that is sober. It's just amazing, and as was said by Larry, Ebby is speaking the language of the heart, the language of one alcoholic to another alcoholic that only we understand. Bill said later in his life, to those who understand, no explanation is necessary. To those who do not, none is plausible. But he's looking at Ebby, and Ebby is presenting to him a God-based or what is described here is a religious base, although it really isn't now, a religious-based solution to his problem. Bill is coming from a background of self-sufficiency. He's coming from a background where you pulled yourself up by the bootstraps. He is coming from a background where people are telling him to buck up and use some willpower. And here is Ebby, sober as anything, telling him that God has done this for him, and it is just astounding to him. He's almost saying to himself, certainly there's got to be a more complicated way. This is too simple. And he looks around and he sees, yes, I believe in God, but like me and like most of the people that I run into con- I come into contact with, God didn't help us lose weight. We begged him. We, we, did, we made deals with him to help us, and seemingly no help came. And then we were catapulted into Overeaters Anonymous, and help was right there, and we still spurned it. But he's looking at this situation, and he is thinking to himself, yeah, I'm kind of on board with the fact that there is a God, but I'm not too sure that that God is going to help me because all the bad things that happened in my life, and we can all relate to that, right? All these terrible things let me know that, God, you weren't there. He forgot the fact that he was successful on Wall Street. 
he forgot the fact that he was given a brilliant intellect. He forgot the fact that he was given a supportive wife. He forgot the fact that he was still alive after doctors had pronounced him incurable. And so in the next paragraphs tomorrow, which I wouldn't miss on a bet, tomorrow we're going to see him come around and he's going to start to see why he needs to accept this solution because he's looking at something that is indisputable. He's looking at a drunk not drinking and is doing so happily. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. And thank you, Harlan G. And good morning, Janice M. Well, good morning to you, um, Santa, and everyone else. My name is Janice M., and I am a very grateful, compulsive overeater. Okay, he talked for hours. Um, let me just get the page. I'm just listening. Um, okay, so so at this point, see, now he's hopeless. So we know that, you know, that's a great place to be before we have any changes in our lives. And I'm talking about myself now. I mean, I had to be really hopeless. And it happened to me because I had no other place to go. Okay, willpower didn't work. My food, which I adored, really, was a, was a god in my life, uh, didn't work. And this is what Bill is saying. He says, gee, you know, I had the willpower. I had the, I had the good jobs. Alcohol wasn't the solution. I used it as a solution, but that didn't work. Now I see this divine intervention by God, I call him God, that sent Ebby to me. And he was a drunk like me. And he's proof that something happened. You know, he's not drinking anymore. What, what, what more can that? So now, Ebby is between step one and step two. This is, uh, no, I'm sorry, Bill. Bill is between step one and step two. And uh, this is going to be a process. Now, a process, you go up, you go down, you go up, you go down. I know, you know, you think, yeah, okay, I will. And then you say, no, I can't. So this is what we see here. We hear him, you know, he's being teachable. He's kind of opening his mind to listen. That's what we have to do. Because I was never teachable. You couldn't tell me because I already knew everything. So he's becoming teachable. He's kind of... You know, he's, he's up now, he's pretty good, he's listening to his grandfather, but with his grandfather, yeah, he, he sees that um, harmonious power, you know, that his grandfather had, but he's got a lot of prejudices. He still has a prejudice. That means an old idea that he can't get out of his head. And this is what we have to, what I watched between me getting to step two is I had to throw out those old ideas, you know. So he had prejudice. He had denial. He, um, he had um, prejudice, denial. But he's starting to open the door just a little bit of his mind. Because you know why? I know why I had to. It's because I needed a power greater than myself. Because nothing other method worked in my life. I mean, I was really afraid. I mean, I, I didn't know what else to do. <laughs> there was nothing left. So if we, because I needed a power greater than myself, it couldn't be me, and it wasn't any human in the, in, in, in the, in the world that I know of, no doctor or anybody. So I had to, I don't, I had a God, but I just couldn't really believe yet. But I had a need for that power. 
And this is where he's at. And with that, I will pass. Thanks. And thank you, Janice M. And good morning, Lynn S. Good morning, Santa, and good morning, Vision for You. This is Lynn S., a recovering compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. It's funny, the word we're talking about, God and the pondering, and it's making me ponder about my relationship with God. And, you know, I didn't have one. It's, uh, I didn't grow up in a home where we had religious training or spiritual training or any belief in God, but I can remember hearing an AA speaker say he could remember exactly the moment he had written God out of his life, and that hit me like a thunderbolt because I had done the same thing. Even though I kind of didn't believe in God, and I actually mocked people who did, there was always that, you know, God, please help me. You know, if I, if I didn't gain any weight this week, I'll do anything you want. You know, those kind of prayers to something. But I can remember when when I was in my early 20s and my best friend had died after a year's terrible battle with cancer. And I can just remember saying there cannot be any God in this world because they wouldn't have let Sheila die after that, that terrible year. The deal was she was supposed to go through this terrible year and then recover and we'd all say it wasn't that awful, but thank God she's here. So I remember that exact moment that I had written God out of my life. And it wasn't until the day before I came into OA that there was ever any connection with God. And I, and I used to say, you know, it was when I came into OA and I, I prayed to God that night and then I had this amazing spiritual experience where, uh, you know, my lying, cheating, swearing, stealing, and littering was all removed as well as the obsession for food. And then that spurred this God thing. But the day before, there was a reaching out for me to this God, you know, like, it can't be. I remember standing in my kitchen crying, thinking, it can't be that God looked down and said, I want the whole world to be happy except for you, Lynn S., and I want you to be entirely miserable. So there was some some force and some recognition going on there, but I'm just... Uh, I am so grateful to the program and so grateful to OA and and thinking about, you know, I I don't specifically have an Ebby before program, but I certainly do when I came in. And I'm just so grateful that the schedule of events fell into place in my life that got me into a program of recovery that is God-centered and God-focused in my life. And with that, I'll pass. And thank you, Lynn S. And good morning, Monica T. Good morning, Santa. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. So here we are in Bill's story. He's he's telling us his process here. And so we're we're reading, and in these next few pages, we're going to read Bill's process of step two. Step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Now, what has brought Bill here? He's He's hopeless. He's finally realized, you know, he's come to that conclusion in step one. I'm powerless over alcohol. It's my master. It's got me. I'm cornered. I've tried everything. And so he's thinking back, you know, and and Ebby shows up and I got religion. Oh, my God. You know, make the hair stand up on my neck. And he's thinking back about his religious and lack of religious um, um, training. 
And he's thinking about his grandfather. He was raised by his grandfather. He made a lot of big difference in his life. And and he's thinking, well, you know, he did believe in something, and so do I, he goes on to say. And he talks about that wartime day in old Winchester Cathedral came back again. Now, Bill never tells us about this, but he had, specifically, but he had some type of spiritual experience that day. That was his first spiritual experience. He mentions it two, three times that that experience but he never goes into detail about it so he had something happen to him and he goes on to say i always believed in a power greater than myself so this process of his thinking here is opening up his eyes to where he's been and that you know his spiritual life had not been developed and he's been using liquor you know for his solution and he's realizing this here so step two for him you know and step two for me was I had to come to the conclusion that the things that I had thought, the things that I believed for years were not working for me. They weren't working. And I tried a lot of different things. So I had to know this. I had to know I had a problem with this. It was important for me also to see that others had gone through this process and had recovered. So was I willing, you know, to to set aside my old ideas, my old prejudice, and look at something a little bit different? You know, and he goes on, I simply had to believe in a spirit of the universe who knew neither time nor limitation. But that was as far as I has gone. So he, we're, we're going to see more of his, his process of developing his conclusion for step two. And thank God. And, um... That's all I can say. Thank you, God. And I pass. And thank you, Monica T. And I hope I got the next name correct. Is it Dolly D? That would be Paula D. Oh, Paula. Paula, I'm so sorry. (laughs) I should know your voice. (laughs) Well, I know yours, and thank you, and uh, that is fine, my friend. (laughs) This would be Paula D. Recovered uh, in Florida also. You know, um, it sounds like that that we all, as we read this, something comes up. And as I was leading to the pre- listening to the previous reader, oh, so much of what she said, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna ditto on that. It starts with, and may I on ten? I'm gonna and those lines. These recollections, you have recollections, we all do, welled up from the past, don't they? Though, now look at what happens here. Now we have the physical realm. But watch what it's joined by. They made me swallow hard. But then I want to go back to page one, the very beginning of Bill's story, as was just shared. We landed in England. I visited Winchester Cathedral, much moved. And what happened in Winchester Cathedral? I don't know. But something happened. I've gone to wonderful conferences. I've gone to meetings. I've been in wonderful places. I've been in holy states and more realm than one. But look at what happened. I wandered outside. Now, this man was moved. I wandered outside. Can you see this through these paragraphs? And look at what he says. Now, if you were reading this, you're wow, look at where this man, where he is. I had little doubt. That a mighty purpose and rhythm underlay all. 
How could there be so much of precise and immutable, immutable law and no intelligence? He asked the question. I simply had to believe in the spirit of the universe who neither knew time nor limitation. I will repeat that sentence. Now, here it is. He put the but there. But what does it do to the rest of the sentences? But that was as far as I had gone. You can go to the conferences. You can go to the meetings. You can listen. But unless you apply, unless you go to that next, and that was it, the next step came to believe. Believe what I said. Believe what I saw. Believe what I felt. What happened in Winchester Cathedral was bigger than Winchester Cathedral for all of its size. With that, I want to end. I thank you for the time that was given me. I pass, Paula. And thank you, Paula D. And I believe the next person is Nessa T. Nessa T. Okay. Okay, um, we have time for about three more. Hi. This is Nessa P. Linda R. Okay, Nessa T. Go right ahead. Thank you, Nessa T. Hey. Um, Sorry, guys. This is my first phone meeting. Um, I've been in the program 10 years, but this is my first phone meeting. Um, I appreciate everything that everybody has shared. Uh, What really touched me about these paragraphs that we read is that um, when when I came into this program, I was an atheist, and I don't really define myself anymore by atheist or any faith tradition or religion. What struck me about Bill's story as I read it 10 years ago and every time I read it and as we read it together today is Bill's hopelessness and the willingness that that imparts on Bill to believe in a power greater than himself. And this paragraph, I had always believed in a power greater than myself. I had often pondered these things. Strikes me as the beginning of Bill's process that I went through as well, which is finding a way to need a higher power, to convince myself that I really needed a higher power. And for me, it wasn't the mysteries of the universe. It was the mystery of the recovered compulsive overeaters that I met in this program because I would sit in meetings and listen to compulsive overeaters share their stories and they were my story. The things that we did with food, the behaviors around food and the lying and the shame and the self-hatred. And what astounded me is that these people had found a way to recover from that. And it had nothing to do with a type of therapy or a type of diet or a a spiritual pilgrimage, it had to do with following a 12-step program. And the 12-step program told me that I had to believe in a power greater than myself and take direction from that power and turn over my will in my life. And I was so astounded by the recovery I saw whenever I looked around me at these people applying these principles and working these steps, that that was what I latched on to. And that is today the foundation of my belief in a higher power. It has nothing to do with the natural world or 
with um, the coming and goings of people in and out of this life that I care very much for. I don't try and explain why things happen or where we come from. For me, what I know is there is a higher power because I am abstinent and alive today and because I am talking to people now and have talked to people for the last decade who were in the grips of a killing disease and have recovered. And that's really all the all the indication I need, that there's a higher power greater than, than me, greater than all of us, and that I can rely on this power to recover. And um, I'm so grateful that these phone meetings are here uh, because I can't get to a physical meeting. And I'm so grateful for all of you today um, who have moderated and shared. So thank you. I'll pass. And thank you, Nessa T. And welcome. And please keep coming back. And Linda R. Good morning. Thank you so much for your service. Linda R. Recovered in South Florida. And sorry, I, I, wasn't, I didn't connect this morning. Anyway, um, I've heard so much. And, you know, I relate to everything as far as, you know, this whole higher power concept. But I just wanted to add a couple of things. These words, proffered temperance, proffered, submit, you know, some kind of diligence, due diligence. I think that Bill right here is realizing that, you know, he never really did submit. He was always holding back. He never really followed anything. He was not really consistent. And the thing with this thing with his grandfather, you know, I also related, you know, going back and getting welled up with emotion. You know, sometimes during the day, to me, that's God. To me, that's my soul, that when I remember or I reflect about a childhood memory, to me, that is my higher power helping me really, like, heal, you know, bringing up things from the past where I'm cleansing my soul. I think he's going through that here in this paragraph as well. He's feeling very emotional. And then the thing with his grandfather, you know, also, the word fearlessness. When his grandfather left, he was fearless. And I think that Bill was attracted to this idea that someone so close to him left the world and was fearless. So it was all about, you know, this spiritual awareness starting to really surface and his, you know, contemplation of what God really meant to him. And I just think that, you know, this is, again, the beginning of his journey. And as someone shared before, this is a study of step two. He knew he was powerless in one. Now he's coming to believe in something greater than himself. And um, I just think that, you know, for me, it's taken me, I have had, you know, a spiritual experience, not a bolt of lightning. And even today, I still, you know, get different aha moments where God is revealing to me that I am, you know, either in alignment with the principles of the program, which is my good orderly direction every day, or I get a little tap on my shoulder, nudging me to look at something that maybe I need to clean up as far as, you know, my connection. So thank you for allowing me to share today. You're welcome. And thank you, Linda R. And who else? I'm Barbara E. Rosalind. And I said Barbara E. Was there a Rosalind? Barbara E. Okay, Barbara E. Go right ahead. Go right ahead, Barbara. Okay, thank you so much, Santa. Thank you, and thank everyone. 
Uh, I I heard wonderful stuff today about Bill being prejudiced, being more of an empirical, scientific person, business person, but he's willing to open the door a crack. And that's where I am today. I've been in the program for 20 years, successful on the physical side, but I really need to and desire to open that door a crack and enlarge my spiritual life. I just had to add to my list of character defects, one that I heard mentioned earlier, littering. I never thought of that, but yes, I am a litterer. And I do have a lot of work to do. But one of my other character defects is lacking in trust. And someone from Vision for You did reach out and offer me um, willingly to be a sponsor, but I've never heard them on this particular 7 a.m. meeting. So my fear and insecurity is there because I haven't heard this person uh, speak before on this meeting, but I'm willing to open the door a crack and trust that it will work out. I love what I've heard from everyone today, from Larry and Harlan and Janice and Nessa and Lynette, and I always enjoy hearing from you, Santa. Um, this, uh, I especially like that I can pray all I want for God to help me, but as Larry said, I've got to take the action because if I do nothing, I'll get nothing. And that's really what I think I've been doing for the last 20 years, praying for God to remove character defects, but never willing to actually take action to do it. So thanks to this vision for you and the special editions and everyone who participates, I'm willing to take action today. I pass. And thank you, Barbara E. We have two minutes remaining, and I'm going to take these remaining two minutes and share. My name is Santa H. And, wow, there's a lot here. But what really stood out for me is is how I have evolved. Um, There was a time where I believed all my life in the I and thou relationship. And today I just no longer accept that there is a, a God or any sort of deity um, so when I read this, I have to do a little bit of translation in order for me to identify in. So where it says a power greater than myself, um, knowing that this power is within me and always been there, I look at that word and I now say greater than my finite self because it was the ego. I now understand today that there are two sides to every human being. There is the, the temporary self as I like to call it, and then there is the life. Um, There's a force inside of us that gives us life, and that's what connects me to this precise immutable law with no intelligence has been there. That spirit is in me and all around me. And so when I read this, I, um, and when it says here, it's just so much here, that I simply had to believe in a spirit in the, of the universe where there's no time and limitation, and that as far as I've gone, it makes me think of the fact that I was really focusing on the intellect. I was focusing on trying to live this world, this life of mine, 
on my finite thinking. But when I realize and understand today that there is a, an infinite part of me, the soul that's going to go on, that part of me that's in me, that, that is carrying me, is the power. And that's what I got out of this reading today. And, and it's time to end the meeting. And thank you to everyone who has shared this morning. It was a wonderful meeting. And I have an announcement here to let you all know that Monday, February 27th, the share ID is 9662-9662. And please join us for the second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And we'll lead in W, please read a vision for you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning. This is Leanne W. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Great. Thank you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.